This morning we've already felt an, an awareness of God's presence and sensed the presence of God's glory. As we continue this sermon series called Cover the Earth, we want to look this morning at the kingdom of God. Now, in order to get ready for this sermon, I needed, I needed to go back and look at um, one of my books from seminary by George Ladd called A Theology of the New Testament. And I think it's safe to say that I probably not picked this, picked this book up in 39 years. And, uh, and, and I remember when studying about the kingdom of God as a young seminary student, I just had a hard time understanding the kingdom of God, how big it was and what it all meant and how it was, it's here, but it's not yet fully revealed. And as I, as I went back and looked at this book and read all the underlying sections on the two chapters on the kingdom of God, I realized that over the last 39 years, I've learned about the kingdom of God because I've seen it played out over and over again. God's kingdom revealed, God's power being made present in people's lives. And I think I could even pass the test today. I'm not sure I passed the test on the kingdom of God 39 years ago. Maybe they'll give me a do-over. But I am thankful that God has revealed in my life and in ministry how real his presence is. A couple weeks ago, I was in Tulsa, and I got to hear Dr. William Abrahams, who is the professor of Wesley Studies at Perkins Seminary in Southern Methodist University. And he asked a simple question. He said, who's guarding the sheep? Who is preaching the word of God and teaching the people so they will be guarded against the wolves that come in sheep's clothing? And as I prepared this sermon, I, I kept thinking about his, his words as, as a pastor, as a preacher, as a teacher, I, my responsibility is to guard the, the sheep from the wolves that would seek to tear them apart. Now, we're going to read about the kingdom of God from Titus chapter 2. And I'd ask you to stand as you read the word of God about the kingdom of God. Beginning with verse 11. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to the wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Totally committed to doing good deeds. Now, I want to read a couple more verses that follow that revelation from in the letter to Titus. Verse 15 says, you must teach these things and encourage believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. The Word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Father God, I pray that 
we would receive your word today. That we would know your grace that has been revealed, bringing salvation to all who would believe. And Father God, that we would follow the instructions of your word to turn from godless living, to turn from sinful pleasures. And as we live in a world that is still full of evil, that we would live with wisdom and righteousness and devotion to you. Father God, teach us these things so that your glory may spread across the earth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. As I'm looking here at a little box in, in this Bible that I read from, it says, Titus, give the gospel a good name in the world. <laughs> That's a good sermon title. Give the gospel a good name in the world. Now, one of the ways that we do that is by letting the Holy Spirit live through us for the cause of Christ. I want to begin by talking about the mystery of the kingdom of God. That mystery that I struggled to understand as a um, young seminary student, and maybe you struggle with today, the mystery of the kingdom of God. Mystery in the Bible means that something was previously hidden, but has now been revealed by God. A mystery that is hidden from human reasoning, yet proclaimed and announced to everyone. And, and announced to those all over the world, but, by, but believed and understood by those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the mystery of the kingdom of God. You see, the, in the Old Testament, the Jews believed that the kingdom of God would shatter evil. And it would overthrow their political enemies. And sometimes we make that mistake today about the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God is supposed to get rid of evil. It's supposed to destroy all of evil. But that's not how Jesus Christ and God in his wisdom has chosen to reveal the kingdom of God. It's a mystery to me. I will talk more about that in a minute. Because this kingdom that Jesus Christ has revealed is much more spiritual than it is physical. This kingdom of God is within you through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the mystery of the now of the kingdom, but the not yet of the kingdom. That there are things that will be revealed when Christ returns. We look forward to that day. Two weeks ago, we gathered in the two venues in a time to pray for healing, spiritual healing, physical healing, emotional healing, relational healing. And I know that God moved in powerful ways and that lives were touched and lives were changed, but not everybody was healed. And not every situation was fixed because that is the nature of the kingdom of God. And I will tell you this, the nature of the kingdom of God is this, is that those people who were healed, and there are people here in the room this morning that God has changed your life or healed your life of a physical situation. But unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and establishes kingdom on the earth, we're all going to get sick and die of something. That is the nature of the world we live in. Not yet fully realized. But the Bible tells us that one day there will be no more sickness. There will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. There will be no more fears. There will be no more death. There will be the consummation of the kingdom of God. Now, you and I have got to be willing to receive that truth this morning. And it comes from divine revelation. It doesn't come from me teaching you. 
It comes from the Holy Spirit opening your mind and your eyes and ears to see the kingdom of God. In fact, whenever Jesus was teaching his disciples and he asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And they gave several uh, answers to that question. And he says, but what about you, Peter? Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And this is what Jesus said in verse 17. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. This morning, it is my prayer that God will speak into your mind and your heart about the cause of Christ. I love how Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrases those words from Mark 16. Jesus came back, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get the answer out of books. <laughs> you didn't get the answers from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. See, that's our prayer today, that God's Spirit will reveal to you who God really is. Now, throughout the New Testament uh, and throughout the Gospels, Jesus used parables to explain the kingdom of God. And you can read all the parables and, and, and begin to get some, some hint of the kingdom of God. One of my favorite parables is the parable of the soils. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And there's four soils. There is the, the seed, the sower goes out to sow seed, uh, which is representative of the kingdom of God. And, 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 and as the sower sows seed, some of the seed falls on a path. Uh, and, and never takes hold. And then some of this seed falls on rocky ground with a little soil, and it takes a little bit of root, superficial, seasonal faith. And sometimes we jokingly call those folks CEO Christians. You know what that means, right? Christmas and Easter only. Uh, and since you're here today, you don't fall into that category, which is good. And then there's the third soil, which is soil with thorns, and the seed falls into the soil, begins to take root, but then the, the thorns choke out the plant, which Jesus is talking there about the cares of the world, that the cares of the world become more important than the kingdom of God. And then there's the good soil, which the seed takes root and produces 30, 60, 100 times. Now, what that tells me about the kingdom of God and its mystery is that the world is filled with unbelievers, people who doubt the kingdom of God. In fact, three of the four seeds don't take root. Three of the four people that he's describing don't believe. And we see that all the time. Trust me. I, I see that all the time. People come and hear and they just say, nah, that's not for me. Three out of four. That's the world we live in. That, that, that's a ratio that's probably pretty accurate of people who believe, truly believe in what God is up to and what God is doing today in our world. And, and this is the nature of the kingdom of God. Part of the mystery is its initial smallness. But aren't you glad that the kingdom of God keeps showing up? It keeps showing up in, in ways that we least expected, in places we least expected where it produces fruit of 30, 60, 100 times. And people are aware then that God is real and that God is powerful. 
I, I liked one of the ways that the kingdom of God showed up a couple weeks ago, a few weeks, a few days ago, uh, on ABC TV at the CMA Awards. And I didn't watch it, but I saw it on YouTube. But Dolly Parton comes out right there on ABC TV with the contemporary Christian group King and Country and sings an amazing song. And then she brings out Zach Williams, who's been here in a concert before and did another amazing Christian song. And then she sang with a choir about the faith of God. Don't you think the people at ABC were wanting to pull the plug? She's singing about Jesus three times. This is not good, you know? And they got all kinds of um, negative email and response because the kingdom of God just showed up, you know? And, and, and don't you love when God not only shows up, but he shows off, you know? Now, I don't know if you're a fan. I'm not sure I'm a fan. I don't know that much about it. But someone told me this morning that Kanye West, the rapper who has professed his faith in Christ, is singing today, speaking today at uh, Joel Osteen's church in, in Houston. And Facebook said it'll be the most watched event in Facebook history. Isn't it great when the kingdom of God just kind of shows up? Amen. We can celebrate that. Now, I don't have any Kanye West albums. I'm not sure I will. But, but God works in mysterious ways. And the kingdom of God will show up. And begins in small ways that reminds us that God is in control. And that God will have the final say. I love what Colossians says in chapter 1, verse 26, from the message version. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time. But now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery in a nutshell is just this, that Christ is in you. So therefore you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. We get a share in the glory of God when we are involved in the cause of Christ. Now the second thing I would tell you, I'm gonna give you a big word now, macroscopic perspective of the kingdom of God. Say macroscopic. It actually is a word. I looked it up. Macroscopic. You know, we have microscopic, right, which means small. You've got to use a microscope to see it. But macroscopic is big. You don't need a microscope to see something that's macro. It's big. And the kingdom of God may start small, but it grows large. And when it reveals itself, it's powerful. The good soil produced 30, 60, 100 times macro. Last week, uh, Janice preached in, this, in here in the sanctuary. She's preaching today in the auditorium, and she used this verse out of Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. That is our calling, to let the world be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. You see, God wants us to have a panoramic macroscopic biblical vision of his kingdom. And I suspect that some of us have a macro view of the kingdom of God. I know I did 39 years ago. I had a macro idea of the kingdom of God. But over these last 40 years, God has given me a macro perspective. Let me say a word to you about telos. Telos, it means the purpose, the intent, the goal, the ultimate result of an event or a purpose. What is your telos? What is your purpose? What is your goal? What, what, why has God put you on the planet? Rick Warren wrote a great book called The Purpose Driven Life. 
I married a couple yesterday here in the sanctuary, and one of my instructions to couple this that I marry is, I said, now, I want you to go get a copy of Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. And typically when I talk to a couple, uh, one of them has read it and one of them hadn't. And uh, so I said, well, go get another copy. I have two copies. There's 40 chapters in the book. They're short. Start the first 40 days of your marriage reading a chapter a day from The Purpose Driven Life. And, and, and the purpose of that is to see why God put you together. What is your purpose as a couple on the planet? And, 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 and we can know our purpose. How can we know our purpose? Because we know the purpose of God. And, and we are made in the image of God. And we, if we want to know our telos, we can look at God's telos. We, we prayed it a few minutes ago. Father, thy kingdom come. And thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the telos of God, that he wants his kingdom to come. He wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we can live into that. And when we connect our telos with God's telos, we can know our purpose. And we can know our future. We can know where we're going. We can know what we're doing. A macroscopic perspective of the kingdom of God. Now, one of the reasons we sometimes have a macro vision of the kingdom of God is because we confuse the church with the kingdom of God. And we try to, we try to fit the kingdom of God into the church. The church is a community of the kingdom, but we are not the kingdom of God. You can't squeeze the kingdom of God into Mount Horeb sanctuary. You can't squeeze the kingdom of God into the auditorium, no matter how big it is. You can't even squeeze the kingdom of God in, uh, at Joel Osteen's church that seats 50,000 people because the kingdom of God is much bigger than that. And sometimes we narrow it down by trying to squeeze the kingdom into the church. We don't preach the church. We preach what? The kingdom of God. We don't preach Mount Horeb. We preach about Jesus Christ coming to save the world in the kingdom of God. So, one of the reasons we struggle having a macroscopic perspective, one reason we have a hard time covering the earth with the goodness of God is because we think like church people and not kingdom people. Church people think about what's in church for me. What's the choir going to sing for me? What's there for my children? What's there for my grandchildren? What's in it for me? Where's my Sunday school class at? Where's my parking space at? You know, you've, I know you've done that because you couldn't find your space and I heard about it, right? <laughs> Somebody's in our room. Somebody put something on our wall. It's not your wall. It's God's wall, right? Well, anyway, I'll, I'll leave that alone for a minute. Um, <laughs> let me tell you, uh, that's how 25 years ago, Mount Horb had a microscopic view of the kingdom. And and by the grace of God and by the power of God, 25 years ago, the people of Mount Horeb said, we want to have a macro view. We want to think bigger. We want to think out of the box. We want to think how we can reach the people in the community and beyond the community. And I'd like just to ask if there's anybody here this morning that was here 25 years ago, would you, would you stand this morning? We want, to, we want to recognize you. 25 years ago, would you stand? All right, look around. 25 years ago, let's give them a hand. Thank you. All right. 
Now, these folks said, hey, micro doesn't work. In fact, micro is killing the church. And we need a macro view. And I say that to say, don't you become a macro person. (laughs) Don't you be the one that's going to limit the kingdom of God because it doesn't fit into your agenda or to your thoughts of what the church should be. I just praise God that this is a church that wants to do something beyond the walls. And when I go and, and, and talk to other pastors and other churches, this is the number one thing they struggle with is how to think beyond the walls of the church, how to become kingdom people and not just church people. See, church people see the gospel in terms of good news about afterlife. In fact, there's some who have the acrostic for the Bible as this, the B-I-B-L-E is basic instructions before leaving earth. And I need to get this memorized before I leave earth. That's not a bad thing, but it's not the thing. Because what did we pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, this book is about how to have heaven on earth, not how to leave the earth to go to heaven. And that is how the kingdom of God will be realized whenever we start seeing the presence of God revealed in powerful ways. And when one day we look for when Jesus comes back, it says again in Titus, we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. Revealed where? Here in this place. The kingdom of God is not a means to a bigger church. The church is a means to demonstrate a bigger kingdom that covers the world that covers the earth. You know, Scott McKnight said it this way, the kingdom of God is the rule of God in Jesus Christ on the earth through the church. Now, I love the church. You know, the church is a wonderful place, but the church cannot be about the church. The church has got to be about the kingdom of God. Amen? It's much bigger than us. It's not about being Methodist. It's not about any of that. It's about being the kingdom of God. Jesus said it this way in Mark 16, and he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. So this morning, what is the motivation for the kingdom of God? What is the motivation of the kingdom of God? What drives the kingdom of God? I believe very simply it's the love of God. It is the love of God. Sam sang about it. It is the love of God. It is the grace of God that motivates the kingdom. For God so loved the world that he what? Was motivated to give his only son. That whoever believes in him all over the world would not perish but have eternal life. And then Jesus said, this was my father's motivation. Now you do two things. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor meaning your neighbor in Lexington or Gilbert or Columbia or Irmo, or your neighbor in somewhere in South Carolina, or your neighbor somewhere in the U.S., or your neighbor somewhere in Kenya or Liberia, all over the world. When I was talking to Dr. Kula in the airport, we had plenty of time in the airport, and I, I was talking to him about the kingdom of God. Let me just say, Dr. Kula has a different perception of the kingdom of God than many of us do, because he's living in the kingdom of God in the third poorest country in the world. Average income about $1,600 a year. A, a world that is full of darkness because of no, not having electricity because of a 30-year civil war. A, 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 a world that the, the generators don't kick on to about 7 o'clock 
so you can have a little bit of light to see to eat supper with. And he said to me that the Mount Horeb is full of the kingdom of God. And when he, when he walks around this place, he's just, he's just, he's amazed at what he sees. I know he'd like to pack it in a box and take it over to Monrovia and set this campus right down in Monrovia. And he says, you know, when, when you really are living the kingdom of God, you have a lot of secret admirers. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, in Liberia, because your church, Mount Horeb, helps provide clean water, there, you have secret admirers there. They are really appreciative of the, of the clean water. And those seminary students that are going to college and going to seminary to learn how to be a pastor, they're your secret admirers. And they're excited about Mount Horeb and the people of Mount Horeb. You see, those 700 children that you sponsored through Compassion International last year or earlier this year are your secret admirers. All over the world, they're admiring the people that represent Mount Horeb. On those uh, Operation Christmas Child boxes, these are your secret admirers. When they open up, they don't know your name, but they admire you. And when you are living in the kingdom of God, you have secret admirers all over the world. How many do you have? Some of you got secret admirers because you gave a coat to right at 700 children. And a few days ago when it turned really cold and that child had a warm coat to put on, they said, somebody loves me. Somebody cared enough to get me a coat so I don't have to be cold. Now, we had a great partnership, develop, have developed a great partnership with India. And Prashanth, who was here for a year, and I, my wife gets pictures from Prashanth all the time on her Facebook page, so I, I captured a couple of them. You remember Prashanth? Uh, God brought him here. It's miraculous. This, this is some of your secret admirers. We had a member uh, who gave an incredible gift to, to uh, Prashanth and his father's ministry there. I mean, a large six-figure gift to go and, and make an impact in that church in India. Secret admirers. Hundreds and thousands of these folks are coming to this church every week, and they've got secret admirers. They're your secret admirers. You know, I, I want to know when I get to heaven that I got some secret admirers. People will come and say, hey, pastor, you never met me, but you were somebody I've been admiring for a long time because of what you did for my family. You know, Dr. Kula told me that God is blessing Mount Horeb because we're living into Matthew 6.33. And what is Matthew 6.33? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Why does Mount Horeb have everything it needs? More than what we need? Because you've been faithful for the last 25 years seeking first the kingdom of God. Amen? And we've got to continue that. It's the tip of the iceberg of seeking first the kingdom of God. And the motivation is the love of God. Now, what is the mission of the king, kingdom of God? I want to give these to you quickly, so be ready. Going Trevor's speed here, right? <laughs> okay. One is you've got to accept you got to accept the kingdom of God. Jesus said it this way in Mark 1. Later on, after, Jesus, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. How do you begin to experience the kingdom of God? Repent of your sins. 
and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. And then secondly, you got to announce it. You got to preach it. You got to proclaim it. You got to tell somebody. You know, we've been singing this song over in the auditorium and and Matthew West, who co-wrote this song with Mercy Me, was here a few months ago and sang it for us over in the auditorium. But it's one of my favorite songs. I'm just a nobody telling everybody about the somebody that changed my life. I'm announcing the kingdom of God. I'm just a nobody, but I'm telling everybody I can about somebody named Jesus who changed my life. You got to announce it. This past week, I had lunch uh, with a gentleman who's uh, coming into leadership in 2020, and uh, we're having lunch together, and I noticed he was struggling with the menu a little bit, and he said, you know, I'm going blind in my left eye. Been to... uh, uh, a couple, John Hopkins and a couple other big hospitals trying to get help for my, my eye here. He says, and I went to the healing service a couple weeks ago here at Mount Horeb, and I went forward and I, and I, I shared that I was going blind and I wanted to, them to pray for my eye to be healed. And he says, the fellow prays, I don't know who he was, but he prayed this. He asked God to restore my sight or give me a new vision. Restore my sight or, or, or give me a new vision. He said, it was so impactful to me because I went up there looking for healing, and in that moment, I realized that I might get a greater gift. Somebody say amen to that. I went there looking for healing, but I realized that I might get a greater gift. He went on to say that God has used the many problems in my life to give me perspective and empathy for people in need. And so I'm grateful for all the trials I've had. I realized, he said, that God might heal my eye or give me something better. What was he talking about? He was talking about the kingdom of God, that God would give him something better than restoring the vision in his left eye. He says, I was bummed about my condition before I went up there, but now I'm at peace no matter what happens. And my eyes are even getting better. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. See, that's what it means to announce the kingdom. And then the third thing, when you announce the kingdom, you, you begin to alleviate the suffering of people having empathy for people. God, give me a new vision to see the things that break your heart. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25, whenever he separated the sheep from the goats, and he says, whenever I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. When I was sick, sick, you came to care for me. And they said, Jesus, when did we ever see you in prison or hungry or thirsty or sick? And he said, when you've done it for the least of these, my brothers, in Liberia, in Kenya, in Haiti, in all parts of the world through Operation Christmas Child, through giving coats to cold children in Lexington, providing food for backpack ministries, you've done it for me. That's me you're doing it for. That's alleviating the poverty, the suffering in the world. You see, because the kingdom of God has not yet fully come. So we, we've got to accept it, we've got to announce it, we've got to alleviate it, and we've got to anticipate. Be praying and looking for the kingdom of God. Now, I struggle with this part. I struggled with this when I was writing the sermon. I know some of you struggle with this. How long, Lord? How long is it till you're going to come? Why do we wait? Why don't you just come and establish your kingdom now? Just, just come back and, and, and get rid of all the evil and get rid of all the bad. Just, just come do it now. 
And I was wrestling with that. I was praying about it. And the Lord sent me to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he has been patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. As I think about the kingdom of God, I've got to learn, and we've got to learn that God's timing is different than our timing. God looks at time different than we do. One day is like a thousand years. Well, that means that Jesus has been dead, resurrected, and ascended. That event that is a cornerstone of Christianity in kingdom time, about three days. That loved one that you watched be lowered into the dirt has been gone to heaven for a few minutes in kingdom time. See, God doesn't look at time the way we look at time. And God's timing is different. God's patience is stronger than ours. And God's purpose, hear this, God's purpose is more righteous than ours. Amen? God has a much more righteous purpose than we have. Our purpose is usually selfish. Lord, get me out of this mess. You know, send in the troops, Lord. And God's purpose is more righteous. So I would encourage you this morning as we seek to cover the earth is wait with patience. Don't grow discouraged. Don't give up. Don't fall back into the old ways of living. Don't let the cares of the world choke out the kingdom. Wait with a purpose. Our waiting is active. Can we learn to live not like the not yet, but the right now? (laughs) That God's kingdom is here right now. And quit looking for the not yet. Live for the right now. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Will you take advantage of the divine delay? (laughs) There's a divine delay because God is seeking those who are still lost. He's given you an opportunity, me an opportunity to help those who need help. Do you want to speed up the return of Jesus? You know how you hasten the return of Jesus? Is go tell somebody about Jesus. And you may speed it up. When we were in Liberia back in February, seems like a million years ago, we saw the now and the not yet all over Liberia, a country that is 100 years behind where we are right now because of civil war, a country that is dark because of a lack of electricity. And one of the most profound moments was when Trevor and I were invited to wash the feet of 100 Liberian pastors and Uh, students. You talk about a humbling experience and experiencing the kingdom of God firsthand. Let me just tell you, the Liberians who walk everywhere have got some dirty feet. There's some nasty stuff there. But I got to experience the kingdom of God, and what really then humbled me is whenever they washed my feet. And I realized that the kingdom is here, but it's not yet fully realized because those Liberians were going to go walk in the dirt and get dirty all over again because the kingdom has not yet been fully realized. But we are called to alleviate as much suffering as we can until Christ returns. We help folks who are hungry knowing that they're going to still get hungry. We rescue victims of human trafficking, but one day there will be no more human trafficking. There will be a day, Jeremy Camp sings, there will be no more tears. There'll be no more fears, there'll be no more pain, and there'll be no more death. I would invite you as a church to be committed to being kingdom people, 
living the reality of the kingdom right now, especially among those who are hurting and especially among those who need salvation the most. Will you live as kingdom people? Father God, I thank you for this time together and I thank you for revealing your kingdom to us. Father, I pray that as we sing here this closing song that we will be in prayer for our call to go and rescue the perishing. Rescue those who need your touch in their lives. That our, that our, 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 our ministry, our hands, our purpose will go beyond these four walls and cover the earth. Father, thank you for what you're doing in this church locally and globally. Thank you for what you're doing through people who are pouring their time and their sacrifice and their generosity into changing the world and making your glory aware, creating secret admirers all over the world. And one day, Father God, we want to hear those treasured words, well done, thou good and faithful servants. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you stand?